0: Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word, so grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. show me your mysteries, my God. I got a lot of feedback uh, from you guys on a sermon from a couple weeks ago uh, where we were looking at Colossians two sixteen and 17 relating to uh, the Old Testament festivals and feasts and the Sabbaths and all of those things. And, um, and so Colossians two sixteen and 17, I'll just read it again to remind you therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to christ and so we looked at how those things had their role and their function at that in the old testament times but ultimately they were pointing forward to christ and christ has now fulfilled those things so those things are not things that we worry about any longer and uh And so we we looked at the passage where where Jesus said like none of of the law is going to drop away, like it's all going to stand, but I've come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill the law is what he says in Matthew. Um, And so that's what we see that he has done. He has fulfilled the law. Um, And so those festivals and things we see records of Jesus, he kept the festivals. He did those things. He did all of it perfectly. Uh, when it comes to the sacrifices of the Old Testament and those things, um, it's a really actually a very interesting thing to read the book of Leviticus and, uh, and see, uh, some of you, I lost you at interesting in Leviticus. Um, but if you, if you actually study it and you look at all of these different sacrifices that were required, and then that will expand your view of what it is that Jesus did when he died as a sacrifice for us. He fulfilled all of those sacrifices. He fulfilled it all. He did all of that. And so does that mean that all of the things of the Old Testament have been fulfilled and therefore we do not need to concern ourselves with them? And the answer to that is no. Um, Because what we'll see in our passage for today is some things that show up in the Old Testament. Paul reiterates here for the Christian that, hey, yeah, you don't do these things and you do do these things. Um, as a Christian that's who we are. So how do we navigate that? Well, theologians have, have broken the Old Testament laws down into three different categories. One is the civil law. Um, and so these were the laws relating to how uh, they as a, a nation were to conduct themselves. Well, no longer are we trying to institute a uh, a theocracy here on earth. Theocracy means a a country where God is the governor or ruler. Um, no longer are we trying to live under, uh, a, a, demo, uh, a dictatorship or, uh, no, that's the wrong word. Monarchy. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, a monarchy where the King is ruling over, um, the, the people and the King is supposed to be the representative for God. And, and so there's all these laws relating to how their government was supposed to work, um, that really don't apply to us because that's not Situation Um, because our situation is we have one king, he is Jesus, and he is seated on the throne in, in heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father, and from there, he is ruling over all of us throughout all of these different kingdoms on earth. So, no longer is our goal to set up an earthly kingdom, but our goal is to follow our king who is in heaven. And so those civil laws, we look at them and we say they're fulfilled in Jesus. We don't have to worry about those things. Another group of laws in the Old Testament are the ceremonial laws. These are the ones we looked at in that, that passage that I just read to you a minute ago. These are the ones relating to all of the ceremonies, all of the, the feasts, all of the sacrifices, all of these things um, wrapped into the ceremonial law. And these, these related to their worship and how they, they were to worship God. And ultimately, all of these things I hold were were pointing forward to that time when Jesus was going to fulfill it all. And so in Jesus, we have the fulfillment of the ceremonial law. And so we don't have to worry um, about that law and those things. We don't have to concern ourselves with these things. But then there's a third category of the Old Testament laws, and those are the moral laws. And these are the things that that just, they reflect, as human beings made in the image of God, this is how you should live. This is how you should conduct yourselves. This is how you should act. This is also contrary to our human nature and how we naturally live, act, and conduct ourselves. And so these things are the things that get pretty controversial today. And so people will want to throw at us like, well, why do you, why do you say that this one still stands, but this one doesn't, right? So you're not doing this, but you are saying that we we can't do this. And the reason is, is because they're different things. And what we see in the new Testament is that these moral laws are repeated. They're reiterated, they're, they're reinforced. And that's what we're going to see in our passage today is that, that Paul is saying like, yeah, these things, you still need to follow these things. You don't need to be a part of this certain group of stuff. You do need to be a part of this group of stuff. And so for context for today, I do want to go back and pick up two verses from last week. We're just going to read them to give us more of the context as we go into today's passage. Because it flows right out of the same train of thought. And so in Colossians 3, starting in verse 3, it says this. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And this is where we start for today. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. And so Paul here, he gives kind of these two lists of things that for the Christian, we should not have these things in our life. This should not be who we are. We need, to what he says here is put to death. I love one of the old translations um, that here says mortify. We don't use that word much anymore. Have you mortified anything lately? But here Paul is telling us, hey, put these things to death. What does that mean? That means they're done. Get rid of them. Don't give any, any part of your life an opening for these things to come back in. For these things who he says, this is what you once were, this is who you used to be, but now you're a new creation in Christ. No longer should you live this way. There's no room for this in the Christian life. And um, as I was studying for this, I read uh, something that Martin Luther wrote. Um, Now this is Martin Luther, who is the Protestant reformer back in uh, the, right around 1500. Um, So, what's that, 500 years ago? Uh, This guy wrote this. Um, So I'm not talking about the civil rights activists in the United States, um, but Martin Luther, who came uh, long before him. And this is something that he saw happening in the place where he was ministering and what he says about it. Yes, it has now become all too common that people do whatever they desire and then act as if they never did such a thing. Nor are they willing to be punished for this. Some pretend to be immaculate and innocent so that whatever they do cannot be said to be evil or unjust. They hide behind exaggerated Christian love and virtue. I'll say that part again. They hide behind exaggerated Christian love and virtue, but carry on with their shifty, evil, spitting and biting, lurking about, slandering others and then are able to whitewash and disguise themselves as if they had acted quite well and justly, believing that if they present themselves as pure to people, that God would also let himself be deceived. I want to ask you, have you seen any of that? I have. So it stands to reason that if it was a problem with the Colossians that Paul is writing this to them to, to kind of help them and straighten them out and clarify things for them. And then 500 years ago, Martin Luther writes this and he's seeing the same problem still happening. And we can look around and see the same problem still happening today that I think this is a problem that in the Christian life, we're going to always have to deal with. And so we need this reminder. We need the reminders that, Hey, as the Christian, as what Christian literally means is little Christ. The, the term was first formed as an insult to Christians. But then as people, it's like, you're just a little Christ. But actually for a Christian, that's a badge of honor. You say, wow, you're identifying me with him? I'm a little version of him? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll accept that name. I'll take that name. And if you're, if you're taking on that name, you're taking that badge of honor, then you're to live the way that he lived and to model yourself in the way that he modeled himself And so, therefore, we should put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality. What does that mean? The Greek word here is pornea. This is where we get the word, the first part of the word for pornography from. And what pornea meant when he wrote this, and the way that it was applied when he wrote this, was any sexual activity outside of heterosexual monogamous marriage. So people will say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't talk about this form of sexual immorality or that form of sexual immorality. I, yeah, it's all right there in that one word. It just takes one word to wrap all the mess up that we see in our world today. And he says, for the Christian, put that to death. The next ones go with it, impurity, passion, and evil desire. He's saying, put these things to death, instead of evil desires, we should be desiring the things of Christ. Next, covetousness. This one's easy for it to slip in. So easy for this to happen. Yesterday, I was up here at the building. They had a, we had a group renting the building from us, and the, they were um, a country music showcase. Um, and so they actually brought all their own equipment. And so they cleared our, or I think Bruce cleared our stage off for them and cleared all our stuff. And uh, um, and then they had their own equipment in here and speakers and everything. And uh, I, I texted Bruce. I was like, man, I, I really like their speakers. <laughs> they were just these little little slim, little towers, looked really sleek. They put out great sound. I was like, man, we got these big old bulky things. We have to haul them around. It's like doing a workout anytime you move them. And uh, you have to check your heart. You have to say, is covetousness slipping in? Am I coveting speakers? (laughs) Put to death these things. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming is what he says. And so he gives us a little he gives us these two lists broken up within the middle of the answer for why this is important. Why is this a big deal? But let's go ahead and finish the rest of the two lists and and so we'll see putting this all together in one list it says the Christian should put to death sexual morality impurity passion evil desire covetousness anger wrath malice slander obscene talk lying so, what about that anger? What about that wrath? What about that malice? Now, to be clear, Scripture does talk about certain forms of anger, which are godly anger, which do have the place in the Christian life. Things that are evil and horrible and immoral should anger us, but in your anger, do not sin. That's what Scripture says. But I think what he's talking about here is the anger that can boil up in us, especially towards one another, and the wrath that can come from that, and the malice and the slander. When we let these things take root in our lives, they grow and they fester and they become worse and worse. He throws obscene talk here in this list. I've heard people say, Well, I don't know if I can say this at church talking about a certain word or a certain phrase and my encouragement to you is if you shouldn't say it here you probably shouldn't say it anywhere. No obscene talk. The danger of lying to one another even within the body he brings out here. So we're encouraged to either put to death or put them all away of these things. And so I know that this will be a challenge for us. I know these are are things that do want to creep back into our lives. But what he says in verse 7 is true. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, if you've received the Holy Spirit in your life, it is true that what he says in verse 7, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. This used to be part of your life. This used to be who you are. But as he said, um, back up in verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. That's not who you are anymore. And so I believe when he says in verse six, he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. He's not saying that as a point of, caution for the christian that the wrath of god is coming for us if you've experienced the grace of jesus that the wrath of god is coming on you because you're still doing these things no i think what he's saying is he's going back to verse four where he's already pointed out the fact that when christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory that's a done deal for the christian you're going to appear with him in glory so if that's your future and that's where you're going, why are you wanting to live in the things that his wrath is coming back to judge at the same time? At the same time, he's coming back bringing wrath, but he's also coming back bringing redemption and salvation for those who are his, who get to go and be with him. And so why would you want to identify your life and your actions and your attitudes with the things that he is coming back to judge Christians through the power of Christ we have traded the old self for the new don't let the old rule any longer put it to death so that's the part of the heavy part let's go on in verse 9 where he says this seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So it's not just that we're about, hey, stop doing that stuff. But no, you don't have time to do this, that stuff anymore because you're being renewed. You're being made new in the knowledge and the image of your creator. He's forming you and fashioning you into something that's new and different than what you were before. No longer do we walk in those things. We now are being renewed to be like Christ. And so we need these reminders. Because it's easy to fall back into those things. This is why Paul is reminding us of these things. If when you came to Christ, all of a sudden the old self just completely went away as some people propose and you no longer have any struggles with these things, then we wouldn't need this reminder. But it is a struggle. It is an active battle. It is something that we do need to be consciously putting to death these things in our lives because they do want to come back. They do want to creep in. And then he goes on in verse 11 here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. You know, going back to that whole, do we keep the festivals and all of those things? Well, Some people will say, well, the Jews should keep them and Gentiles don't have to. Well, what, Christ, what Paul is saying right here is in Christ, there's no difference. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the uncircumcised and the circumcised. Circumcised representing those under the the Old Testament law, uncircumcised those who are not. But he goes a step even further, and he doesn't just clarify that distinction, but he clarifies the distinction of how we would classify things here on earth. And he says there is not barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Free. He's saying your economic and social status on earth matters not. There is no difference because Christ is all and he is in all. Everyone that Jesus has come and saved and redeemed and made his, we are equal. It's very interesting to note that it's thought that the book of Colossians and the book of Philemon were written at the same time and delivered at the same time. What's the book of Philemon about? The book of Philemon is Paul writing to a guy named Philemon uh, who was a Christian. And he had a a slave named Onesimus who had run away. But Onesimus, Onesimus, Onesimus had run to Paul and become a believer. And in the book of Philemon, Paul is writing to Philemon saying, Hey, no longer is Philemon just your slave. He's now your brother. You are now equal in Christ. You are not above him. He says it a lot nicer than that. He says it in very polite ways. And he, basically in the end he says, and by the way, Onesimus is very, very useful to me in advancing the gospel. And if at all you could spare him, please do. Please send him back to me. Let him come and work alongside me. So you can imagine that when they get these letters at their church and Philemon's got one specifically addressed to him and then in church they're reading this whole thing from Paul and he says, Here there is not Greek and Jews circumcised uncircumcised and barbarian. Scythian slave are free. Man, that must have really resonated with the message that Philemon got in his book as well. But Christ is all and he is in all. And so we are all the same under Christ. There's no partiality with him, especially based on nationality or earthly status. I'll put these two themes together, old self, new self, and this background. Also, there's no difference under Christ with how bad a sinner you were before you came to him and how, or if you were like the good person. There's no difference under Christ. He died for all of us. He covered all of our sins. Now, that's the heavy stuff. Now it's the good stuff. Let's keep going. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, These are good things. They don't seem like good things. Some of them, like, for example, like out in the world, humility and meekness aren't really that encouraged, especially meekness. Do you know what meekness is? Power under control, strength under control. And that's what we see in Christ bearing with one another. teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in a nutshell, the Christian life should look like this. Be like Christ in all our actions and interactions. That's our goal. That's what we're shooting for. We're going to mess up. His grace is ever before us. We thank him already that he's covered the ways that we we mess up. But what's at stake? What's at stake is this. Let's go back to that reminder he, he gave us as to why. The wrath of God is coming. The fact that the wrath of God is coming and those who, are, who come to faith in him and ask him to be their Lord and Savior get to go and be with him and be forgiven instead of experience his wrath for their sin, that is a great message. That is a message that's based on the fact that Jesus was the son of God. He still is. He came and lived a sinless life. He died on a cross and he rose again. Amen. In that we have hope not in keeping rules and laws and these things. If you hear this message and you think, okay, I just got to put to death those things and live this way, then I'm going to be good with God. No, that's not what he's saying here at all. What he's saying here is the fact that that Jesus Christ is all and he is in all. And so because of that, we're going to give him thanks to God the Father through him. How do we give him thanks? We give him thanks with our lives. That includes coming and singing as we sang this morning. That includes uh, filling our minds with the thing of, things of him and growing in these things as we see in this verse. But also what's so important is the fact that he's entrusted those of us who know him with this message. And as one's entrusted with this message, we're to share it with others who need it. And I want to ask you, how does it validate our message if our life does not look any different than with those with whom we share? Just taking the, these lists, if you know a person to be a liar, do you trust them? On the flip side, if, if you know them to be kind and humble. Do you trust them? We have the message that's the most important thing in the world, and it needs to be validated by our lives. If you know someone who holds a grudge like no other, who's full of wrath and trying to get their own vengeance Are you going to listen to that person as they tell you about Jesus' forgiveness? But equally, if that person is someone who's quick to forgive, as we see here, just as the Lord has forgiven them, then you'll recognize there's something different about this person, and I want to know what they have. The elders' goal for this year, one of our objectives is we would love to see Every member of Potter's House sharing the gospel and leading one other person to Christ over this year. We don't, we don't have to save everybody. And even the actually whether they come to faith or not is between them and God. But what we want as a church is we want to dedicate ourselves to saying, I'm going to commit to praying for this individual and I am going to interact with them in a loving and godly way. I'm going to model this kind of character before them. And I, I'm going to share the gospel with them as God opens the doors. With one person. So I want to challenge you do you have that person in mind right now? Maybe as the Holy Spirit lands somebody on your heart that you say, yeah, they, they need this truth, they need this gospel. Maybe you are that person today. Maybe you, you, you need that gospel in your life. Maybe you need to trust in him and say, yes, Jesus, I come to you. Wayne's talking about the old self, new self. I don't have a new self. I just have the old self, and that is what it looks like. And I don't like it. I don't want it anymore. I want you. I want new life in you. Reach out to him today and ask him for that. because this is of utmost importance because Jesus is coming back we either go with him or we experience God's wrath for our actions let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you for your goodness thank you for your grace we thank you that that you kept all of the laws all of the rules perfectly that you were perfect you never messed up and we fall very short. Even as we have experienced your grace in our lives, we need these reminders that, hey, these things need to be put, death, put to death in your life. But these things need to be put away. Lord, I pray that if there's anything in us that needs to be put away, that needs to be put to death, just show that to us. Illuminate those things for us in our lives where we can consciously battle those things not of our own power but by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in us Lord for these things and the way that we should live as holy and beloved Lord just manifest these things in our lives renew our hearts renew our love renew our love for you renew our love for one another pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series we hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day